You're listening to the John DePietro show. I think it's, I know it's a mistake. This is ridiculous. Colorado barring President Trump, not eligible to be on the ballot. Uh, they're not going to stop him that way. This is ridiculous. Let's pick up the latest CBS morning. Crazy. Stunning is word here. The Colorado Supreme Court has ruled that former President Donald Trump is not eligible to be on that state's Republican primary ballot and is, in fact, disqualified from being president again. In a 4-3 decision, the court ruled that Donald Ridiculous. Trump violated the U.S. Constitution <clears throat> by inciting the mob that attacked the Capitol on January 6th. Ed O'Keefe is at the White House with more on this. Ed, good morning to you. When I saw the breaking news banner on my TV, I swear to you, I thought I was reading it wrong. This was very stunning for a lot of people. It is, but important to remember, this does not apply to all states, only Colorado, and it hinges on a clause that dates back to the Civil War. If it stands, it would be unprecedented, but the former president's legal team says they will appeal, potentially setting up a big decision for the U.S. Supreme Court. We will fight for America like no one has ever fought before. Campaigning in Iowa last night, Donald Trump made no mention of his latest legal hurdle. They're after you. I just happened to be standing in their way. But late Tuesday, a divided Colorado Supreme Court declared the former president ineligible to run again in that state, citing the Constitution's insurrection clause. The legal challenge to Trump's eligibility is in response to his actions on January 6, 2021. And we're going to the Capitol. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment disqualifies officers of the United States who have engaged in insurrection or rebellion from holding office. An issue in Colorado is whether the president is such an officer and whether Trump engaged in insurrection or rebellion. Four of the seven justices ruled yes to both questions. All seven were appointed by Democratic governors. We do not reach these conclusions lightly, the court wrote, adding later their ruling takes the country into uncharted territory. The ruling would only apply to Colorado. Similar challenges in other states have failed or are still pending. This is really an unprecedented and, to be honest, unexpected ruling. CBS News election law expert David Becker. What the Colorado Supreme Court has just done is to kind of kickstart the process by which the United States Supreme Court is likely to rule. And their ruling absolutely will have some impact on whether or not Donald Trump, if he gains the Republican nomination, is eligible to appear on the general election ballot. The Trump campaign, which began fundraising off the decision within hours, says it's planning to appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, calling the Colorado ruling a completely flawed decision. Now, Trump's other Republican rivals don't always weigh in, but they did this time. Vivek Ramaswamy called the ruling wrong and incorrect. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said it should be reversed by the U.S. Supreme Court. And former governors Chris Christie and Nikki Haley had notably similar statements, saying Trump shouldn't be prevented from being president by a court, but instead by the voters. Here at the White House and the Biden re-election campaign, they had no comment. Listen, this is wrong. I think it'll be overturned. We're certainly going to talk about it. Um, when we do our segment with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. But I don't think that one is going to stand. I do also want to hear, that was uh, CBS. This is ABC's coverage Court of it. In an unprecedented and possibly far-reaching move, the Colorado justices taking a presidential candidate off of the state's ballot after finding that Donald Trump not only incited an insurrection, but actively supported it as the Capitol was under siege. Overnight, Donald Trump back out on the campaign trail. 2024 is our final battle. Just hours after a historic ruling, Colorado State Supreme Court disqualifying the former president from running in the state's primary. In a 4-3 ruling, the court finding Trump engaged in an insurrection, pointing to his direct and express efforts over several months, exhorting his supporters to march to the Capitol to prevent what he falsely characterized as an alleged fraud. Donald Trump is the only person to blame for this. I understand that his supporters may be upset that he could be off the ballot, but he needs to look in the mirror as to what he did on January 6th and the days leading up to it. The justices citing part of the 14th Amendment that bars anyone who engaged in insurrection or rebellion from holding office. It's the first time in history the 14th Amendment has been used to ban a presidential candidate, something the justices address directly. Writing, we are mindful of the magnitude and weight of the questions now before us. We are likewise mindful of our solemn duty to apply the law without fear or favor. 
the Trump campaign already promising a fight, telling ABC News they will swiftly file an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. The former president facing 91 criminal charges has made his legal defense the cornerstone of his campaign. I consider it actually a great badge of honor. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. While Trump made no mention of the ruling in Colorado at his campaign rally overnight, his Republican rivals rallying against the court's ruling. We don't need to have judges making these decisions. We need voters to have make these decisions. I do not believe Donald Trump should be prevented from being president of the United States by any court. I think he should be prevented from being president of the United States by the voters of this country. Trump has also been under fire this week for using language similar to what Adolf Hitler wrote, declaring undocumented immigrants are poisoning the blood of America. Despite mounting backlash, Trump doubling down. They're ruining our country, and it's true. They're destroying the blood of our country. That's what they're doing. They're destroying our country. Dozens of lawsuits have been filed across the country to disqualify Trump from being on the ballot, but this is the first time that it has succeeded. This morning, the Trump campaign is calling this ruling flawed, and clearly they believe they will benefit off of this. They're already fundraising off of this ruling. Now, all eyes on the Supreme Court. It will be up to the justices to decide whether or not they take up this decision, which could have major implications, Robin. We are once again in unchartered territory. You know, it's wrong. He should be on the ballot. He hasn't been convicted of anything. Um, and, and everything that they knocked that out to be, it, 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 and in fact, it didn't happen. So people got a little rowdy and it was protesting day and trespassing day, but they all left. The building was still standing. They still did and took care of what they needed to. Um, you can't single them out. It's wrong. He should be on the ballot. I think he will be on the ballot. It's just another attempt to try to stop him and it's not going to happen. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro show. It's Christmas time at PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Christmas season is underway. Fraser Fir Trees, 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown, Rhode Island's number one garden center. Potted live trees, custom handmade wreaths, 10 inch to even 60 inches in sizes. Think how, think how great that would look outside your business. They have Christmas swag, mistletoe, hanging baskets, roping, cut greens, decorative pots, cemetery baskets, Christmas crafts, gift certificates are available at PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Look for them on Facebook. Florist quality poinsettias. They also have custom-made sleds from a local artist. Firewood is available. Pick up a delivery. They're open every single day now right through Christmas Eve. Look for them on Facebook. It's PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center this Christmas season. Stop in and see them. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, The Crisis at the Border. Folks, you don't hear anyone talk about it, really, in our region. As far as an elected official, what would it take? It would take buses arriving to Rhode Island. And now they keep in mind, you know, you did have the flight that arrived on the vineyard, but Buses arriving to Rhode Island. Meanwhile, the state continues to run a sanctuary state, and the crisis at the border right now is seemingly getting even worse. Let's pick up the latest from NBC. The U.S. southern border, it is showing no signs of slowing. Waves of migrants arriving daily, and now some ports of entry are being shut down so authorities can help with the surge. NBC's Guy Venegas is at the crossing in the Eagle Pass, Texas, this morning, where many, many migrants are waiting to be processed. Guy, good morning. Savannah, good morning. We're right next to one of the international bridges here in Eagle Pass where CBP is using this field behind me as a holding area for this large number of migrants arriving. It could be as many as 2,000 or maybe even more. You can see them using those aluminum blankets to protect themselves from the cold weather all throughout the night. Now this, as government officials tell NBC News, that the numbers for the entire southern border could be breaking new records. Ridiculous. This morning, the crisis at the border unrelenting, with thousands arriving daily from California to Arizona and Texas. 
On Tuesday, this field in Eagle Pass packed with thousands of migrants waiting to be processed. Men, women and children overwhelming border officials. On Monday, Customs and Border Protection seen a new record number of daily crossings, apprehending over 12,000 migrants at the southern border, with more than 26,000 already in custody, pushing processing centers to their limit. In Arizona, the overwhelmed port of entry in Lukeville still closed, while in Texas, international rail operations halted in El Paso and Eagle Pass, leaving shipments ranging from consumer goods to food and beverages stuck at the border. But the problem is far more than just numbers. It's also a national security crisis. This week, Texas Governor Greg Abbott signing a controversial new law allowing state and local authorities to arrest undocumented immigrants and even deport them. So we anticipate uh, with SB4 uh, that cracks down on illegal entry, that, that should reduce the number of people coming across the border. Almost immediately, the city of El Paso and the ACLU taking legal action, calling it unconstitutional. It's going to open the door to racial profiling. The White House also opposed. The law is incredibly extreme and it does not make it does not make communities in Texas safer. It just does not. With thousands more arriving every day, it's a crisis with no end in sight. And as the search continues, a U.S. appeals court has now temporarily blocked the Biden administration from destroying that razor wire fence that has been placed all across the border that, of course, has been so controversial. You know, the White House is tone deaf on this. Um, Again, I believe that this is a voting issue. I believe that despite what they think, especially in a place like Rhode Island, if people could vote on it, I don't think as many people would be uh, as supportive as, as the Democrat Party and people like Governor McKee and Lieutenant Governor Matos and that they think that. Um, I would say just the opposite. I, I think if more people could speak out and have some say in it, I think a lot of people would be against it. This is the White House response about Texas new law. So, um, look, this is an extreme law that will not and does not uh, make the communities in Texas safer. It just doesn't. And I think to add to that is that uh, it is very much in line with what Republicans, uh, many Republicans uh, like to do or tend to do, which is demonize uh, immigrants and also uh, dehumanize immigrants. This is part of this. And so uh, this is not who we are as a country. This is not who we should be as a country. country. Uh, Communities should not, should not be uh, individually uh, targeted and put into into harm's way. And this is what we're seeing Uh, again, you know, this is something that Governor Abbott has done over and over again. Crazy. There are pl- plenty of examples that I've listed out from here before, whether it's le- whether it's leaving migrants in the side of the road in the middle of winter, uh, installed razor razor uh, razor wire near the border, making oh, it more God. dangerous for Border Patrol to do th- their jobs, and place bayous in the in the river, making it harder for Border Patrol to do their jobs as well. So this is certainly um, uh, extreme as we see it and it is incredibly unfortunate but this is what we see from particular republicans trying to dehumanize a group of people who are coming here or some of them trying to uh migrate here uh and and they're putting them in harm's way they're- that that is absolutely ridiculous they don't belong here they're trespassers they're not americans so it's not who we are as a country this is the Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House, you know, press person, this is ridiculous. Don't belong here, period. What part of it doesn't she understand? It's not who we are as a country. Listen, President Trump even said, either you're, either we're, we're a country or we're not a country. You, you just can't have all these people streaming in here. This is an extreme law that will not and does not. It's not an extreme law. Dangerous for Border Patrol to... 
example. She's just reading talking points. From here before, whether it's, whether it's leaving migrants in the side of the road in the middle of winter, uh, installed razor, razor, uh, razor wire near oh the border, God. making it more dangerous for Border Patrol to Stop do their us. jobs, and place bayous in the, in the river, making it harder for Border Patrol to do their jobs as well. So this is certainly um, uh, extreme as we see it, and it is incredibly unfortunate, but this is what we see from particular Republicans trying to dehumanize a group of people who are coming here, or some of them trying to uh, migrate here, uh, and, and they're putting them in harm's here. way. They're not birds going south for the winter. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn. 226 Coesed Avenue, West Warwick. Delicious food and drink. They have a great bar area. Always a dependable menu. Whether you're going to eat there or take out, a delicious meal is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Look for them online. You can also find them on Facebook. Whether it's lunch, dinner, or drinks in the lounge, always a good time at the Coesed Inn. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252. AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling contact them today it's a family-run business aj drywall plaster home improvements call for a free quote what a difference they'll make in your home your ceilings floors basements 401-323-9252 what a difference beautiful walls and ceilings 401-323-9252 you can also find them on facebook it's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It is time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining us right now is the managing editor, AnchorRising.com. It is our friend, Justin Katz. I want to thank Justin for his uh, support and also flexibility in uh, trying to continue our segment. But Justin... Um, I, I just want to start off. There's so much to get to. I want to <clears throat> hear your version and just impressions of, uh, I think, a, a week in certain parts of it that really defined Governor McKee. And I'm talking about how he handled initially in real time the announcement of the closing of the Washington Bridge and then his uh, interaction with uh, with the media after that. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think it was Dan McGowan kind of captured the summary of it. Was saying he's he's McKee is sort of like Bart Simpson, right? He didn't he didn't do it, and then gradually he'll admit he you know something's up and it's not his fault, and uh, that's really his his approach. And I, I think there's a lot of consensus correctly that he he should have been on top of this. It's his job to be the one saying we're closing a bridge. I mean, that's kind of a a major artery through your capital city is a drop everything kind of an event whatever it is you're doing it's not as important as handling that and so from the very first beginning when he when he let Alvidi, the dot director go out and make the announcements and, and take the first press conference just showed a very a very very bad judgment and i i think uh, there's been a lot of commentary on this this could have been a defining argument with mckee uh, the defining moment for mckee and i think it it kind of was in a way and I, I think it's i'm almost happy we have him right now because it, he's he's so bumbling that he he shows he's showing a lot of how things how things really work and so you know one one article i saw they was talking about how um say Charlie Baker in Massachusetts was known as prickly, but then he he got the people he, on his side, and he he really uh, he he really became their advocate. And I think what we see with McKee is that he's doing that, but he's an advocate for the people who can keep him in office, the insiders. Uh, famously, now he he went after Brian Crandall of Channel Ten for ask just asking a question about whether Alvidi would be facing any pressure on his job and maybe being fired. And McKee got very aggressive toward Brian Crandall. And I think that's, 
that's indicative of the, the fact that McKee is, is on the other side. So I, I don't think he's capable for two reasons of really capturing a moment like this in the eyes of Rhode Islanders. First, because he's just not, his instincts are terrible in that regard, but also because he doesn't. He doesn't really care about the people of Rhode Island. I mean, he's 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 for the insiders, and that's that's his core problem. He's not he's not channeling our frustration because he has he can't channel it where it has to go, which is the bureaucracy, the Democrats, the labor unions, and so he just sort of bumbles his way through it. And I, I think that's basically what we're seeing from him, and, and I, I think ultimately uh, Rhode Islanders will will come back and bite him but Rhode Islanders didn't really support him to begin with so the question is will he lose enough more Rhode Islanders to overcome you know all the all the support from labor unions and special interests that he's bought Justin what what do you make of the fact that so that on a Monday night it's still hard to <clears throat> reconcile but he actually sent Peter Alvidi out alone on live television <laughs> to announce that a major, major artery had been closed the governor was nowhere on site um, on Tuesday, but then we learned Tuesday night that apparently he stopped by a fundraiser for his chief of staff, John Igliosi, who is um, apparently going to seek a, a run, you know, for attorney general. I, I understand you're the governor for everyone. So you may say, hey, listen, I know this is going on over in this region of the state, East Bay, but I'm also, you know, the governor for Westerly. I'm also the governor for Newport. I'm also the governor for socket so i can't fully shut down if he were attending the state business i think that argument would hold what is to me the the true mckee is he was stopping by a fundraiser which is just hey in light of things you know i i just think you're exactly right he is completely either him or the people around him but it's got to be him are just tone deaf politically of how it looks in the midst of that where it was taking people three hours to go five minutes and then he's stopping off at a political fundraiser for a race that's essentially going to take place in August of 2026. Right. Well, I, I think the um, he may have been thinking of this as kind of a regional thing, but it's not this wasn't just a Providence thing. You know, it's not like a, a small bridge in Westerly or something was was out of commission and inconvenienced a few people. This was affecting the whole region. There, were, there was increased traffic through Aquidneck Island over the Newport Bridge, which was in the middle of construction itself. I mean, this was a statewide it was catastrophe. And so I, I think yep. he really dropped it. And the, the Igliosi thing, I think, is, is instructive. I mean, um, Igliosi is, is what the chief of staff for the Department of Transportation. And he's running for attorney general. I mean, just just all of this kind of feels it, it really gives you insight into not only to McKee, but the, into the whole thing. I mean, somebody running for AG, having a fundraiser at this time, is is that do we want an AG who's associated with that? That's a big question. And he, yeah. Igliosi himself shows to me the the kind of the Democrat merry-go-round. He was on a city council. He's a staff at DOT. Yeah. He's running for AG. That's sort of how this works. And so from McKee's perspective, he's just at this point, he, he was kind of an outsider. He was sort of a somewhat small businessy, school choicey kind of Democrat. But now he's just completely given into the system. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Of course, you would go to a fundraiser because that's just that's just how this works. You know, it's all these people. Well, I've got to do this. I've got to pay my homage. I've got to be seen there. Uh, we got to set up Igliosi for his next gig as AG. Um, the, the bridge will wait. Alvidi can handle that. You know, it's not who, who's going to care. Nobody's actually going to care. Everybody will go back to sleep soon. I think that's kind of the attitude you get. And I almost, to some extent, I have trouble faulting McKee because if you if you factor in kind of how he he seems to be this bumbling character uh, without a whole lot of personal integrity, uh, if you factor that in, he's just doing what everybody's doing, just not as well. And I, I so I, I almost have some some sympathy for that. But this is this is how Rhode Island works, and I uh, I, I think in that respect, as I said a little earlier, we, we should almost be grateful to have McKee in there. It was doing doing his Simpsons routine and bumbling around and uh, maybe more of a Homer Simpson than a Bart Simpson, but uh, just bump, bumping into things and letting us see this is how it works. They will, uh, a, 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 an official with DOT will have a political fundraiser for his next step in the merry-go-round on the night that, that there's a major DOT catastrophe because yeah. it, it, it doesn't matter to him. It does. He. I mean, if you think about it, somebody running for AG from the D, Department of Transportation could have said on that night, you know what? Put out a press release that I'm canceling my big, big yeah. profile uh, fundraiser to go 
solve this problem. That's not right. how they think because they don't care about solving problems. They just, they're in line. Basically, they're, they've, they've towed the line and it's their turn next. Uh, and so I think that's, it speaks so much to the attitude of how the state is run. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor at inquirethink.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus. Call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401-885-4209. Three generations, they're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they're going to serve you for a very long time. They have a great user-friendly website. You just log on at propaneplus.com, and then you type in your zip code, residential, commercial, Propane Plus, heating and cooling, always there for you. Give them a call today. In Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. The Johnson family, three generations, heating and cooling. You can always depend on Propane Plus. Our segment is Politics This Week. With us is Justin Katz, managing editor at AnchorRising.com. Justin, I want to stay with this whole McKee-Washington Bridge. couple things. Um, <clears throat> I'd also like to get your thought. So at that press briefing with Brian Crandall, people were so upset. And that, that bridge has been under construction for a long time. Um, for him to ask the question, Brian Crandall of NBC 10, by the way, Channel 10, you know, number one television station, and to be dressed down in that manner. But Justin would also, though, should not be ignored. And I didn't see anyone pointed out. The rest of the media, like Penguins, followed suit. No one else dared bring up the fact, could someone's job be on the line here? Could someone be in the chopping plot? Uh, could heads roll here? Um, what, what is your take that with, with talk about lack of profiles and courage, you know, whether it's Channel 12 or 6 or, you know, Rhode Island Public Radio, what have you, the, the Providence Journal, Boston Globe, no one else here brought it up. So as much as you have, you know, Governor McKee up there on the podium dressing down dressing down Brian Crandall. I didn't see anyone else say, you know, next question, say, I'd like to repeat what Brian just asked and show some solidarity and show that 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 is a question that that's fear game to be asked. I, well, that was exactly my, my thought, too. And you see this sometimes in a Washington press corps, even even people who are, say, pretty partisan in a, a presidential press briefing will will almost flip parties if, if yes. to reinforce, you know, even they'll even show some respect for, say, Fox News reporters, even though right. they're the outsiders, because that's they're, they're just trying to establish the appropriate relationship between the media and the politicians. And I think that's, that's what that's been kind of blown apart in Rhode Island. And I think that that's part of the, that, I was kind of expecting that. Oh no, actually uh, Mr. Governor, I would like to repeat Brian's question there exactly. or, or yeah. even, even digging more. Okay. If, if you, if you think Alvini's done a good job, then who's going to be fired? Is anybody going to be fired? Are you going to resign right. Mr. Governor? You know, that kind of right. stuff. That's what you would kind of expect from a healthy press corps, but, but almost like the politicians too, a lot of time it seems like they're, just going through the motions. Okay, there's a press conference. Let's jot down what we were told and and try to think of some some big questions that'll uh, support our progressives and, and labor unions. And and that that's how media works. And, and I think that's a that's a big problem. Part of the problem in Rhode Island generally is that the news media does not does not have that adversarial instinct. At least when there are Democrats in the office, I have a feeling if if this was, I mean, we saw we saw a press flare up. When when uh, Alan Fung was was maybe going to get some work with the with Ripta, um, right. but, but you're talking Good Republicans point. there. Here it's it's yeah. all Democrats, it's all labor union people. So it's oh well, of, co- of course he's not going to be fired. It's not his fault. Nothing's their fault. And I, I think that's that's a, a, a kind of terrible attitude. And I mean, I you you can't help but notice that I think this week too, McKee put out a a statement that he he's added a couple communication staff. One of them a reporter from from WJR from Channel 10 and so all of I I can't help but feel that all of these journalists in these situations they know the spotlight's on them in that situation am I going to be the journalist who who jumps in to defend Brian Crandall from Channel 10 um, and risk that you know $150,000 no work 
communications job in government well, because either McKee or Alvidi or Matos or somebody else in a room or somebody watching says, oh, wait a second. Didn't you didn't you once give McKee some trouble in that press conference? That's right. You know, maybe maybe you're not the communications staffer for us. And I think that's a that's a huge, huge underappreciated problem in Rhode Island. Yep. Also, Justin Katz, uh, folks, and again, our segment is politics this week. What about the governor saying um, th- those are not the questions to be asked? Uh, you know, this is an emergency. It's easily. Well, if it was an emergency, why did you go home Monday night? If it's an emergency, why did you send Peter Alvini out? But what does it tell us that he actually thinks he frames what are the questions to be asked? Well, I, I think that's he's, he's reflecting the the attitude and, and it, was, it was that's beyond the pale i mean even you could i could see trying to reframe and spin and say oh well th- we're not going to address those questions right now we're, we've got a lot going on right now we can't be cha- disrupting the apple cart right in the middle of the emergency we'll get to that in a couple of weeks you could see that kind of thing but this is beyond the pale well no it's it's not it's, it's really le- legitimate but but i think they're, they're just in the context of all of that you know, insider, this is how Rhode Island actually works. It, I guess the questions are somewhat inappropriate because you know, you're not being helpful here, Brian. We're all in this together. Uh, of okay, course, infrastructure is right. falling down, uh, but we're, we're here to protect our jobs. So, Brian, get get with the program. And I think I think that's, it's as I said, it's almost like we're, we're just blessed with this bumbling guy who, who really doesn't do the job very well, uh, who, who's letting us see how all of them actually actually feel about us and about their jobs. You know, what's interesting, uh, Justin, is and now the state is dealing, you know, with with a flooding problem. So you have some some uh, nor'easter that comes through and suddenly all these neighborhoods around the Patuxent River off of that are, are flooding. But I was thinking as I was watching Governor McKee and Sabina Matos, Lieutenant Governor, walk up, you know, and they have their hats, baseball hats on and they have their Rhode Island College jacket or your right jacket, whatever. My thought was, of course, we have infrastructure problems. Look at the two people. I mean, it's frightening when you really step back and look at it. Like, of course, we have major roadways closing. Of course, we have infrastructure crumbling. Of course, we have, you know, neighborhoods about to go underwater. Look at the two people that somehow are in charge of the state. And it is, you tell me, I I just think the two of them exude no confidence at all. Well, I, I think that's correct. But, you know, it's... You can't, in fairness, you can't blame those two people for flooding because they they're still right. relatively new. But what's what makes it so terrified is that's who Rhode Island put up there. I mean, I, and and it's not as if there was some weird fluke that there was some obvious contender. I mean, there were people who would have been better, I think, but it's not as if there was you know an, somebody who, who's been running cities in the state very well, and everybody said, ah, that's the that's the big shot who can do it all. This is what we've got now. And, and you can see it almost in all of them. I mean, there, there's so little, uh, so so few politicians jumping in on this. There's, I mean, as I said earlier, Igliosi's running for AG, apparently. He he was nowhere to be seen in this. Almost nobody is anywhere to be seen in this. Um, I mean, Dan McGowan did a report card on several politicians, and it's what, what struck me about most in their response to the Washington Bridge fiasco, what struck me most of all was how few people are on it. Like, that's it. That's who we've got that, that came forward to be seen in this mess that could get a grade. Uh, there, there are no dark horses. And so what if McKee and Matos are the best we can do? And that's why, yeah. I mean, the Washington Bridge thing, it, it, it really falls falls on us. This is what we've allowed our state to become. I mean, it's, it's not... I mean, it's, it's not McKee, McKee that, that bridge didn't fall apart, you know, in, in two, three years. That's been that's been building. That's been a problem. Flood, roads aren't flooding because of a, a recent decisions. This has been a problem. We're not doing our infrastructure well. We're not running the state well. And I think that's where we really all when, when we look at those two out there and we say these are not the people we want in this, an emergency situation, we, we have to acknowledge that, you know, we, we haven't created a system that has anybody better and i think that's that's what's what's really terrifying to me but what you see i think in rhode island is um and we've discussed this before you know the schools go bad you just see more and more people using private schools and homeschooling the the electricity goes out all the time you just see every every time the winter comes around you hear more generators 
picking on because more people are investing in them. That's basically what people are doing. They're saying government stinks. We're never going to fix it. So I'm going to have to take care of it. And I don't know when next will people will start buying, uh, you know, like hydroplanes or, or taking boats to work because of the flooding. But um, that's that's really where we are. We just don't have the, the we don't have the people in office we need. And there's nobody even on the horizon that I can see that that would be much better. What do you think of the rest of the report cards? They uh, also graded the mayor of Providence, Mayor Smiley, <clears throat> who uh, talk about, I mean, think he at one point was standing up on the stage with Governor Armando at the COVID briefings. Now there he is as the mayor and it's Governor McKee. What do you think of the grades of him and the mayor of East Providence? Well, I think, I mean, in, they, they both got A's, which I guess is reasonable. But in, in fairness, they, they both have a pretty easy shot here because it, it's not not their fault it's a state problem and so they, they can only go out there and, and do a little better so i think i think that was uh, their grades were, were i guess fine but you would expect they didn't bundle anything i haven't seen them do anything particularly helpful other than you know some talk and conversation um but 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 as i said what, what surprised me here is i mean really you've got mcgowan ran through alvidi mckee Smiley to Silva, and then two people who work in the bureaucracy and commerce. Uh, but it's almost like McGowan went to those two people just to have a few additional people, and that's what's really stunning to me. Where right. is everybody? You know, there's there's so much opportunity in this. You know, where was where were the politicians out there? I don't know, giving water to people as they sat in their cars. You know, that there's just so many. I mean, that's kind of that might be tacky, but there there were so many things that could be done here to 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 get a little bit of that spotlight, and yet there's there's nobody uh and that that's what what really frightens me i mean this is i mean even even narona who's been making some noise a current attorney general about maybe running for governor i mean i i saw some kind of tweets from him but it's not like he's out there we're gonna the attorney general's office is gonna be investigating what happened to this bridge or or going around and helping people out on on the roadways or that, that kind of thing there was just i i I, it almost feels like, you know, they're they're all just there's no there's no benefit in it for anybody. They just know you stay in line and and don't rock the boat, and you'll eventually have a pretty comfortable life in Rhode Island as a as a Democrat politician. But that's that. So the lack of uh, the lack of people was was really what, what surprised me about that list. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Do you need a good plumber? I found the best plumber, JMB Plumbing. Call them today, all your plumbing needs, 401 743 9153. JMB Plumbing. They've been providing plumbing services for years. Skilled professionals stand behind their work, guarantee you will be happy. Maybe it's repairing damaged water pipes, repair clogged pipelines, maybe replace a, a water heater, as well as all your plumbing needs. Call them now. It's JMB Plumbing, 401 743 9153. Nothing throws off your life or your home or your business. When you need plumbing service, you need someone reliable, someone who's professional, someone who'll handle the job and do it right. It's JMB Plumbing. Call them today. 401-743-9153, JMB Plumbing, and look for them on Facebook. Our segment is Politics This Week. With us is Justin Katz. Justin, still just talking about the Washington Bridge. How do you think this ferry service is going to do? It's going to run seven days a week, 30-minute intervals between uh, 6 o'clock in the morning and, and 7 o'clock. Um, they, they now have these byways set up. So if people wait a little bit longer, they can still now get through the old way. How do you, how do you think this uh, ferry is going to do? Well, you know, I always want to check my, my initial instincts. And my initial instinct is like, I don't know, that's pretty ridiculous. That's just another way to throw some money and, and have another public service. But I honestly, that's that's kind of how I feel about it. Are, are, are people yeah. going to use a ferry? You know, there, there's no ferry because there's no demand. And I mean, it's it's not even like it's a car. I could almost see if it were a car ferry, right? You, you drive on and they bring you in right. your car. I, that, but it's not. You, you, they'll bus you to the ferry, and then what? You can walk to work. I don't think that. I mean, again, I may be wrong. I'm not. I'm not in the Providence scene all the time, but I don't think that's how most most things work in Rhode Island. I don't think most of most of the traffic, to my experience 
in through providence is not actually to providence uh and right. so and so it's not like and if if it's if it is providence sometimes it's say the west side i mean i had to get over to the west side uh, for a college event um the other night and that, that was not fun i went all the way through attleboro but um the it, that's not going to help you a ferry from bristol to providence if you're trying to get over to uh the western side or, or at wells avenue or something like that i mean what are you going to walk you take a taxi it's just i don't think it acknowledges the reality of rhode island and i think that that's a big part of the problem it's almost like they're trying to think of what can we throw at this oh, i don't know we've got a ferry what if we right. we've got some money we can pay overtime to our our the people who work on the ferry and, and maybe that'll help. And then, Oh yeah, we can use buses so people can park and take. So I, I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of big empty boats going back and forth. Um, Cause it just does not acknowledge the reality of, of Providence or Rhode Island's economy. Yeah. I think it's one of those things. Somebody thought, why don't we do this? Not realizing um, <clears throat> the real, you know, hard dynamics that, that, I don't think that that's going to prove to be successful in any way. Um, and you're right. The reason there isn't anyone, a ferry, is because there's no demand for it. Um, where's where's the demand for a ferry? There's demand for the Block Island Ferry in, in the summertime because that's, you know, one of the ways to get out there, one of the best ways. There is some people do fly, but you also have ferries um, to Woods Hole because of the traffic. But uh, I, I don't know what type of, you know, this is one of those things. When it does start, I, I hope the media follows someone in their commute that's actually using it. Because if you had a choice between, you know, you're, you're not, it's going to be the same amount of time if you just sit in your car, uh, the comforts of your car where you can be on the phone and do whatever. Or then if you have to, like, you know, park your car, get on the ferry, then take a bus from there. I, I just don't think where that's going to play out. Finally, I'm just curious, um, Justin Katz, how do you think the Republicans – uh, handled this? Do you think there's there's a way? I I know Rep. Mike Chippendale. He he was aggressive in coming out against Governor McKee on this. I thought I thought at the very least it was refreshing to see someone come out and talk about the ineffectiveness of the administration. Right. Well, I, I think Chippendale's on the on the right path. I mean, what he what he's talking about, if I'm understanding, is um, trying to get a House Oversight Committee to look into what happened with the DOT and its interactions with contractors. And I think that could be an area where Republicans could really uh, bang on that wedge and, and make some splits and get some attention. Because I, I have a feeling behind all this, there's a whole lot of labor union corruption, a whole lot of just yep. standard Democrat corruption, uh, things that were ignored, put aside, things that in, incompetent people in positions they shouldn't be in. I have a feeling there's a whole lot of that. And I, I don't know how much the Republicans can drive that conversation. And I don't think the Democrats are going to be anxious to do it. But it, it is an area that you can you can pound on. I uh, generally I, I I'd include Republicans in the people. I'm not sure where they where they were through the whole thing. Uh, there was there's a lot more opportunity to, to grab headlines, uh, to, to get some attention, to draw draw attention to the problem and, and point out that, you know, this is this is 100 percent a Democrat problem that you voted right. for Rhode Island. And I think there was a lot of opportunity for that. On the other hand, I mean, in, in fairness, I'm not sure, uh, given the media situation, uh, there's much return for a Republican investment in that. So sure, maybe Joe Powers from the Republican Party could have could have been out there, as I said earlier, handing out water to people in their cars, walking up and down the streets. Maybe he'd have gotten a quick headline, maybe not. Uh, maybe it would have been a whole, a whole night kind of wasted. Um, you know, a few good conversations, but probably nothing lasting. And I think that that's, it speaks to the, the, the kind of the deeper corruption. And I, I think in that regard, the, the collapsing bridge uh, with, with rotting metal f falling apart is really kind of emblematic of Rhode Island. So I think, I think Chippendale is on the right, right path. Uh, but I think that's probably where the Republicans should focus is try to just really make a point of getting to the bottom of this, maybe even pool some resources and hire a private investigator who knows how to dig into the, the paper trail. And cause you know, the journalists aren't going to do it so much around here. So I think that that's an area where if they can really dig into the cause, I, I don't think they even have to be a sensationalist about it. They don't have to make, you know, it doesn't have to be a big accusatory thing because the facts I think will, will, will help Republicans in the long run there. So I think that's, that's an opportunity how far they can take it with the, in the current media landscape that I don't know. Finally, Justin Katz, um, I think it also just comes back to, you know, there's so many different issues that come out 
when they're when we're having elections, and, and I mean election issues that are covered, whether or not quote someone's a MAGA or Republican, whether they support Trump, but at its core, what we really expect in their um, requirement is it's uh, so much of it is just infrastructure. It's responsibility of infrastructure. You're chosen to be this leader. This means that you're going to be in charge of making sure that our roads are safe, that our bridges are safe in the <clears throat> in the wintertime, that they're plowed, that you have state police out there to patrol. There's this all this other stuff that, you know, they want to build a soccer stadium. They want to build the Superman building. But at its base core, I really think that um, and it's it's voters and also the media need to return to basic infrastructure that the people in charge are supposed to be responsible for, accountable for, and provide for the citizens. Yeah, no, that's that's well said. And I think I think that's what's what's shown here. I mean at this the way it works is they they look at infrastructure almost like a cash cow. They they always know we need it, and they know they'll be able to get more money for it eventually. I mean, look at the look at the truck tolls, for example. It's, you can yeah. always you can always justify going back to the people and saying, "Hey, these bridges are falling down. This is an emergency. We've got to take more money from you and give it to our union friends." I mean, that's that's some that's kind of built into their strategy, and so they they spend the money on all kinds of other stuff like communications uh, specialists, but apparently not you know anybody who has any sense of marketing and will look at will people actually use a ferry that, that that's beyond them but they'll get communication staffers but they, they spread the money around to their friends their special interests and ignore the infrastructure because they know when it comes down to it uh there's not they, they can pass the buck and ask for m- more money when it when it goes south and i think that's that's as you said a, a real a, a learning lesson for rhode islanders we we need to we need to start turning our focus on this and so when the politicians say oh we're going to build a soccer stadium everybody has to say no 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 how about the bridges? Okay, let's get back to the bridges. Put the soccer stadium down. Let's 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 get the stuff that really matters. The stuff that's gonna, I don't know, throw our entire economy into a massive jumble right before Christmas. Maybe that would be a good thing to focus on instead of instead of you know the fancier stuff and building new schools with technology that nobody's gonna know how to use in a public school. You know that that all that stuff is just garbage. We need to really get focused. And as you said, the, it comes down to the media and the people really kind of starting to take ownership of themselves because as you pointed out we're looking at mckee and, and matos as the leaders of the state and that's not a healthy a healthy sign and we need to we need to start really fixing things because we we probably dodged a bullet here without with the bridge not falling down with people on it and i think that's that's going to be the next problem or, or maybe the flood that takes out a whole neighborhood and kills people that's where we're headed in rhode island we got to take it seriously you know, it's interesting, uh, uh, Justin, since you mentioned Lieutenant Governor Matos, I know at one of the DOT briefings, Governor McKee actually used her as the Spanish translator. Now, you would think no one even picked up on like, hey, wait a minute. You know, she's the lieutenant governor. She's not there to be his translator, but she was just so glad to be welcomed in. Keep in mind, this is someone finished fourth in her in that Democrat primary for CD1. They immediately call in the Washington delegation like they're going to bail them, you know, bail, once again, bail them out. But, um, it, it, you know, you could have a Spanish translator there. You don't need the lieutenant governor to be your Spanish translator. But that's really why she's there, which, as we know, she was selected to hopefully, they think, help, you know, help them with the Latino vote and Latino community. Finally, Justin, what do you make of, um, boy, they just never go away. Kathy Gregg with the story, at least a third of Rhode Island's Part-time lawmakers have a personal stake or future stake in scaling back the pension reform. This was then General Treasurer Gina Raimondo. I mean, this was her ascension to power. This was her, you know, making the case. She also made enemies. But, boy, they, they never let it go. They just won't give up and continue to come back and try to claw as if they're trying to, you know, right or wrong in some way, almost like, you know, slave reparations. Right. Well, that's that's really the entire method of, of Rhode Island governance in a nutshell. There is you get the legislators invested in the pension or I mean, it, it happens organically. So sometimes people with pension. I mean, I know on, on local town and city councils, often people will be running for for office because they get a little boost to their pension from a from a lifetime in, in civil service uh, jobs. And so that's that's part of the game. Right. You get the you get the people who make the rules invested in the rules and 
there they go. They're they're there to serve themselves. But I think one, one interesting thing about that you mentioned Gina Raimondo is she at least when she was voicing frustration of Rhode Islanders with the pension issue, she picked the right target. I mean, it was the insiders and the, the right. were the problem. Whereas McKee can't do that. But I think. They'll they'll just outweigh us. I mean, we see this with the labor unions making a circus of this this uh, commission that's reviewing the pensions. It's they they will just outweigh. They don't. They're not going anywhere. They're they're making right. their livings off of, of off of Rhode Island. So, okay, there's a flare up because there's an emergency, and Gina Raimondo saw you know opportunity to advance by making the pensions an issue, which was which was justified and good on her part. But they'll okay. We'll we'll wait. We got ten years. We got fifteen years. No problem. We'll we'll just wait it out, and eventually Rhode Island will move on. On and they'll tire of it, and then they'll they'll become sympathetic again to the the sob stories. Um, but I think that's that's the problem. We've got no counterbalancing uh, people. We've got no people. We, we don't have a third of legislators who are invested in the economy, and therefore will say, no, 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 we can't afford these pensions. I'm sorry, my to my colleague over next to me who who wants that extra money, but uh, the my private sector folks just can't afford it. We don't have that counterbalance, which I think is the, the kind of the, the scary thing for me out of the whole pension ordeal. Folks, again, he is the managing editor at anchorising.com. He's Justin Katz. Justin, Merry Christmas. You are a joy. I want to tell you, your perspective is second to none. Always tell me things that I don't know. Uh, nothing gets past you. I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and uh, let you know just how grateful we are that you uh, give us the time into your insights each week with this segment. Oh, thank you so much, John. And, and Merry Christmas to you and Happy New Year. This is a, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and it's, it's good to hear you sounding so good today. Thank you. All right, Justin, we'll talk to you again. Yep. Have a good Merry Christmas. When it comes to insurance, you need a neighbor, a partner, and friend. You need Shoppa Insurance Agency. They're located right on Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Call today, free consultation, 401-900-INSU, 401-900-4678, SHAPA Insurance, SIA. Stephen, very experienced, whether it's auto, home, renters, business insurance, flood, recreational, umbrella, any other protection for your assets, Rhode Island and Massachusetts, Shapa Insurance Agency, your agency of choice. Call today, set up a meeting. They're so knowledgeable, can have everything under one roof. Call Shapa Insurance today, 401 900 INSU or 401 900 4678. Look for them on Facebook, again, located Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Shapa Insurance Agency, your neighbor, your partner, your friend. One-Stop Insurance Solutions. It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Stop in and see Marie, that historic white church. Shop local, inside, all quality products, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies. They understand quality, integrity, it's my health. It's all about your health. Local products. I say honey, maple syrup, beef, fresh gum. You know, they carry over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products, and much more natural skincare products. Stop it in C. Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. It's all about health for you, for your family. There's vitamins for children, all different types of teas, all different types of spices. Boy, what a difference it'll make. Shop local. Stop it and see the queen of health. It's Marie. And it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Right in that historic white church. It's all about health. It's all about your health. And it's my health. 